Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Partner Buzz, the AWS partner-focused podcast in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand. My name is Richard Wilmot, and in addition to being your host for today, I'm a partner management solutions architect here in Sydney. Partner Buzz is a podcast series for people in both technical and business leadership roles within our AWS partner network community throughout the ANZ region. And we'll be taking a deep dive into a wide range of topics to better inform and we hope also entertain our community as we build together for our joint AWS customers. Today, I'm joined by Kelly Griffin. You'll no doubt be familiar with Kelly from other episodes of Partner Buzz, and Kelly joins us from the ANZ Partner Sales team and works closely with our customers in the SMB segment. Kelly, thanks for joining us again. Uh, thank you for having me, Richard. Uh, really appreciate the time, and uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. Nice. Thank you. So today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a really important topic for our partners, how to get started building repeatable offerings and solutions what good looks like, and how to avoid some common pitfalls. Now, folks, if you've not listened to our case studies episode, please pause this episode, go and listen to that, and then come back because it's really relevant. So, Kelly, let's, within the realms of that of that case studies episode that, that our folks hopefully have now listened to, um, why are we starting talking about case studies when we're talking about repeatable it. solutions? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting, and I think we sort of hinted a few times in in the case studies podcast that that we recorded recently. Um, again, if you haven't listened to it, pause, go back. It's it, it tells us um, a, a number of different things, right? And you can use the case studies, and well, ultimately, case studies are stories, and stories yep. then sort of go through a bit of a, a framework. Um, and it tells a, a theme or it tells the thing that you did for a customer. Now, yep. what you can start to do is as you start to develop multiple case studies, particularly in industries. Now, now what we're also looking for here is things that are patterns um, yep. that you can then start to uncover or themes that you now start to unpack as well. So that's sort of why we start, why we suggest, you know, go and have a listen to that case studies one or, or look at all of your case studies and go, what's the thing in, in all of these across like an industry vertical or horizontal that's a bit of a theme here? Because ultimately having good case studies means you can start to identify the outcomes that you enable not just the things you do, or to put it another way, what have you done before and then you can do again? Correct. Absolutely. And what it also does is it gives you a point of view. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you think about what our, what our customers looking for is they're looking for our partners to have a very clear point of view or be opinionated about yeah. a certain thing within that particular industry. And that shows a huge amount of credibility and a mm -hmm. huge amount of earned trust um, moments as well. So if you can go to a customer and go, because we've done these things numerous times across all of these different customers, we have an opinion about, or we have a, a point of view or an opinion, whatever you want to call it, yeah. um, around this particular area of the industry. Because really our customers may consume services, but they ultimately want to buy an outcome. Um, obviously, some of our customers will know exactly what services they need from our partners already. But I get a feeling that'll only be a subset because a significant portion of customers are looking for partners to provide that prescriptive guidance on how AWS forms a part of a solution for a business challenge they have. Isn't that the case? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you pointed out, you, you hit the nail on the head there. They're not looking for a spe- specific number of services, right? So, mm. you know, very rarely do we have a customer that, that comes to us and says, I would like five EC2s, uh, four Lambdas, one API gateway, um, and a little bit of Kinesis on the side as well, <laughs> just, just for a bit of fun. They're looking for an outcome, right? Yep. They, they've got a very particular business problem. Um, that's either related to their business or it's a very particular industry-related problem um, mm-hmm. that they need to be able to solve for. It just so happens that we have about 200-plus services um, that will be able to form part of the journey that gets the customer to that particular business outcome. I think that's literally the first time I've ever heard of anyone talk about, would you like a little kinesis on the side with that? Um, hopefully that <laughs> will be the last as well. Um, Absolutely. Really, Really, it's about then meeting our customers where they are. And I think this is where solutions and offerings come in because really we all need to understand that the key differentiator for our partners is not AWS or their skills. These are obviously really important, but they're table stakes effectively because really it's their experience, isn't it, Kelly, that uh, is, is a key differentiator. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. And that's why we, we sort of refer to the case studies as well, because the case studies demonstrate your experience and your capability, but it also demonstrates that you have really clear, deep operational and industry knowledge, uh, because that's what customers are looking for. They want to know that you've been in the trenches with other customers mm-hmm. as well, that you've got demonstrated capability. Um, and that way you can you can show that you know, we've done this before, we've got the framework, we've got the skills, we've got the battle scars, for example. We know the typical obstacles and challenges mm. that are going to come up. And now here's how we solve for those problems, right? Yeah. So being proactive with your point of view and going out to market with an industry um, so, so an industry challenge that you can solve yeah. because you've got demonstrated capability before. And it just so happens that you can demonstrate that through all your different case studies, but you're going to the market with a solution. Yeah. Uh, so customer 360, warehouse management, whatever yeah. it is, pick an that's industry. Really what they want. All, yeah. That's what they want. Right? Mm. Absolutely. And really that key differentiator is really going to be your experience because customers are then buying the benefit of your learnings from all of those previous engagements that you've had. And I think solutions really need to wrap that up because this is the key reason why customers will work with our partners because they they're not looking for partners who are learning on the job. They, they really right. want to buy the benefit of that deep experience, don't they? Absolutely. Experience is IP. And when you wrap that up into some form of accelerator, for example, mm. that's a solution, right? So consulting is still a, like, it, it, it's still a, a form of um, solution, but it's that full go-to-market approach, right? It's, yeah. it's about how you accelerate the outcome for that customer. So you don't want to walk into a customer and go, well, we don't really know how to solve for this problem. We'll just kind of figure it out as we go. We've got demonstrated experience that we've been able to, you know, accelerate a customer's, you know, customer's customer's acquisition by 45%. Here's how we do it. So we'll take you through this framework first and then out the back of that, we'll spit out, you know, a bit of work that needs to be done. But by the way, we've got a repeatable process that we know the baseline starts with X. And then it's just customizing to meet that customer's need and customer's mm. like data or whatever it is. A key, a key point that I think our, our partners need to be acutely aware of is that when they work within an industry, and I think our, our partners might not necessarily recognize a lot of those industry solutions that they already have, when they work within an industry, 
they'll actually tend to build really deep learnings about that customer, their unique environment, those operational and industry challenges, and and really the the industry language. And I think these yeah. are these things which. Um, when when we're working as consultants, we're very, very close to our customers. Sometimes we can't see the wood mm. for the trees, but we're really picking up and osmosing and we're very deeply immersed in an industry. And oh, yeah. it's essential that we we understand, curate, and extract all that knowledge because every single engagement, you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper understanding. I mean, that's why we see, you know, partners go super deep with financial services, for example, because ultimately those yeah. are very risk-averse customers. They they don't want a partner who's who's doing this for the first time. And it's through that no. hard won experience that our partners, for example, in financial services can have those conversations to earn that credibility and trust with those mm. customers to get those repeat engagements. And I think we need to be really mindful about those other industries where uh, where that deep knowledge has a huge amount of currency as well. And those are really all those key drivers to start building really good solutions for those specific needs because those common challenges are what your next customer is going to be needing, aren't they? Oh, completely agree. Um, the knowledge and the language of those particular industries is is known by that industry. Uh, mm. So if you have a point of view or an opinion about or a solution um, and, and you're reaching out to those customers and talking in their language, it's going to resonate. So yeah. again, we talk about that in the case studies, right? So the language that you use and the, the characters that, you, that you're talking about, the, you need to be able to talk in their language. And if you're solving their problems mm-hmm. through solutions, um, it, it's going to absolutely resonate and it's going to get you a, at least a seat at the table. It's an earnest trust moment. That's what you're yeah. looking for. So really, you as a partner could be bringing data and analytics to a sustainability problem, for example, but you're yep. really learning through that process about ESG reporting standards for that specific industry. So yes. then when you do the same engagement in future, you're not just delivering a data project. You're actually really delivering that sustainability project. That's the okay. key outcome, which I think you said in the in the, uh, in the case studies um, uh, episode. Getting to understand and articulate that outcome, then that outcome becomes that consumable unit for solutions going forwards. Yeah, completely agree. And if you think about like compliance is another one, right? So when mm. we look at compliance on FSI, we look at compliance in in healthcare, we look at compliance in other other areas, and even areas like ISVs, for example, or software yep. companies that are trying to export into the US. There's mm. different compliance regulations for that too. So if mm. you if you you know you think about oh we do compliance or you know we we provide a, a compliant baseline, for example. Change it slightly to provide the nuances of that particular industry and you have a solution that, that mm. is going to resonate in that particular environment. So let's drill a little bit deeper onto what we mean by solution because I think that uh, there might be a bit of uh, lack of clarity. So ultimately, yes. I think um, with a solution, there's a number of key factors we need. So first of all, it's really got to be repeatable, hasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the, the reason it's repeatable is because it's well-tested yeah. Um, it's it's demonstrated evidence that you've done this before and it's mm. the accelerator as well, right? Yeah. Customers, as much as, you know, we, we love building things, if you can deploy something really quick, think mm. about time to value, right? You want to reduce that time to value very, very quickly because they have a business outcome that they're trying to achieve. Figure mm. out what that business outcome is. How do you get to that quickly? You do once that through you, repeatability. Once you can repeat, automate, et cetera. And I think Absolutely. it's really important to bear in mind that, it's really never a good idea to reinvent the wheel unless you're going to make significant improvements. 
Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Use what you've mm. got. So secondly, also we talk about scope. Uh, yep. And that really needs to be defining very, very specific outcomes, timeframes, price points, et cetera. And that really isn't the same as a fixed price contract, is it? Uh, where risk <laughs> no. may not be shared between parties. So rather, this is about defining that scope as a start point, isn't it? It is, absolutely. So your solution, right? Now, you're, you might have multiple solutions, for example, inside mm. a fixed statement of work because your fixed statement of work is a longer-term outcome that has specific things or trenches or, or whatever, sprints, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. there are certain parts of a, of a statement of work that you will deliver. Now, you can yep. use some of your solutions. Now, your, your first part might be we will deploy ESG solution um, you know, in, into the customer which provides XYZ, um, and that's, that we know for a fact is going to take one week to do, um, and it's this cost. Now, a customer then may have extra bits that they have underneath that 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 form a a statement of work, Um, but that first part is is repeatable. It's it's known. It's it's a product almost um, that you're that you're selling to the customer. Because the third point is that solutions are a way to drive scale and growth and really improve customer experience. Because by leveraging that prior work, you you can improve. You can deliver faster using automation, improve your quality yeah. through standardization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really about driving good outcomes for everyone, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, if you think about, so now, you know, knowing the audience is, is, is our partners, think about mm-hmm. profitability, right? Yeah. So if you can automate a repeatable thing that you consistently do across an industry, for example, then that is a solution that you can build, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can automate it and make it repeatable, that increases your profitability because it's shorter time to be able to do X. That's what Which you- then drives significantly more value for the customer because really what we'd love our partners to be doing is selling the outcome to our customers, not the Correct. time taken to build that outcome. A hundred percent. If you can reduce the time that it takes to deliver a, through uh, through these engagements or through these type of solutions to the customers that are repeatable, and it's far more valuable. Absolutely. Then why can't you then go and rinse and repeat that across your existing customer base that Mm. you've already got? So a solution shouldn't just be about future customers. It's about being proactive with your existing customers as well. They're still customers. They're still customers. Exactly. And really these solutions need to be highly focused on a customer outcome. And and this can be horizontal or vertical, but really those good solutions Mm -hmm. will target something very, very specific and highly relevant as a business challenge to your customers, which then will tend to align very closely to specific industries and verticals anyway, won't they? Yeah, they will definitely. Horizontal solutions are great, don't get me wrong, yeah. but you want to f- you want to just have little tiny nuances for industry. So if we think about compliance and, and ESG, for example, ESG is a really prime one, um, but there are probably certain industries that need, from a compliance perspective, need alignment Different to... Things. Yeah. ARPA, to ASIC, to whatever, um, that just need different things. So mm. little tweaks, they become uh, an industry uh, verticalized solution. Because really, when we come down to it, um, we need to separate the business from the technical of any given mm-hmm. solutions. So yep. really, when I see partners do this really well, we typically have a larger number of business oriented offerings powered by 
fewer technical solutions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're just rinsing and repeating it. There's a huge amount of value in IP in the business component of any solution because really that's the deep understanding of the customer domain that adds a lot of value. The technical solution might be fairly similar, but ultimately the customer's buying both because you're not just providing a, a technical solution, you're providing a business problem. Um, solution, exactly. which is which is going to encompass both your deep understanding of the domain, the particular business problem. It might map to a technical solution, but there's there's a lot of nuance in there which we need our partners to understand and recognize because that's as critical, if not more so, because that then becomes your your IP, your experience, as opposed to just what, the technology. And that's what we want to get right. We want our partners to be able to say, "I've got experience, or I've got a capability, and I've got a point of view around this particular area." So now I'm going to create a solution and I'm going to put that in front of our sales teams and then the AWS sales teams, for example, that's going to, it's going to stand out. It, it, it moves you away from being a partner that we do all the things to mm-hmm. going, we have deep, credible knowledge inside this particular industry and here's the solutions that we have um, that, you know, AWS and all the partner sellers, because everybody should be using these, by the way, they're not just marketing material. Mm-hmm. Um you know, can go on sale. It's a great point about sales teams because really when we have really good solutions, it's a key part of bridging that gap between our technology delivery teams and our and our sales teams, both internally and with AWS. Because without those solutions that speak to a clear customer outcome, what I often see is that we have either generic or, or non-compelling solutions. And that forces mm. our delivery teams to get very reactive. They might have to jump between lots of different uh, projects they're unable to focus on that repeatability and, and developing that deep expertise. And that kind of means that our sales teams then start to rely on a very small cohort of pre-sales team members, or they have to be very technical themselves. And really both approaches don't scale within our partners because without yeah. something for our sales teams to, to be educated on with an outcome, it's very difficult for them to proactively go to a customer and position themselves or their solution Instead, they just become reactive to whatever that, uh, that, that customer needs. And, and that puts you in the wrong position when you're trying to drive proactive engagement, doesn't it? It really does. And I, I love what you just said there about bridging the gap between sales and engineering teams. The engineering teams are really proud of, of the things that they're doing. Um, they may not necessarily understand. And what we're trying to get, right, is for the engineering teams to completely understand the business outcomes that they're driving towards. Now, if you can turn that into these are the things that we've done consistently across multiple different customers in this industry. It empowers your sellers. Exactly. Get the sellers to know and understand that, build a solution and build something that you can go to market with. Mm. Uh, and then that puts that into the hands of the sales team so they can go proactively to the customers inside that industry and or AWS and go, hey, this is what we've done. This is our point of view around this particular area and here's how we solve for these problems. It's a really good point because speaking to to some partner sales teams, they they feel that it's their job to be selling AWS, but that's not really the case. AWS sells AWS. The, the differentiator is really the the partner's capability and experience. It's these solutions and these good offerings really do encapsulate value propositions. And I think value propositions, plural is a really important point to note because (laughs) a good solution shouldn't be just encapsulating everything you do. It's about being really, really specific. And we get some Mm -hmm. interesting conversations. I think you and I've had with, with partners who don't really want to be pigeonholed into one particular area. And I think that 
that's what comes down to having, you know, multiple value propositions. Each solution encapsulates a value proposition, which allows you to actually have multiple value propositions, which avoids that whole pigeonholing effect, doesn't it? Well, exactly. It actually does the opposite because you have multiple solutions with multiple different value props across that multiple are very specific. industries, very yeah. specific, very specific solutions does not equal I'm now pigeonholed. Very yeah. specific solutions means I have really great capability and demonstrated mm. knowledge in this that the sales teams have then got a lot of trust to then go and position that to their customers, right? You're absolutely right. We will position AWS every single day of the week, right? But what we don't do well is because we don't know this is we don't position the stories or the solutions from our partners very well because mm. we're not enabled to do so we're, we're always told oh we've got all these capability and we've got all these certifications and we do all the things it's like no please tell us what you do is so specific particularly in the industry better than anyone else yeah right? that will get you every day of the week a seat at the table mm. Which is what we want. Really, we need to have that outcome encapsulated. So, let's let's loop back to to case studies. Um, yeah. When our partners go through this process and start to look through the most recent case studies, uh, I think you hit a really good point. If we can make it super clear when we analyze our case studies, what it is that made customers select us and not a competitor it mm-hmm. becomes very, very clear that that now becomes the core of the value proposition for that type of solution. And I mm-hmm. think when we do that, we start to see common themes. And these are, there will be these common technical activities that, that got carried out. And these are really important. But what we really need to do when we run through case studies is start to look for the themes and the outcomes, isn't it? Correct. Absolutely. You've got a, an exorbitant amount of knowledge base uh, sitting inside case studies. And yes, there's technical nuances that sit underneath those and the technical outcomes that you've delivered, but there is business challenges that you've solved. Hmm. So understanding what the themes are across multiple, like if you have a look in an industry, for example, and go, here's our industry case studies for this particular industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll pick retail as an example. Now let's have a look at how many times we've done um, personalization. We've done customer 360. We've done a contact center. We've done um, AI. We've done some form of um, data modeling or something like that. I've just listed off probably five different ways that you could craft multiple different solutions with different value props aligning mm-hmm. to the business outcomes that you've already solved for. It's mm-hmm. not that hard, but you get all of those themes, right, that signify what can customers do now that they couldn't do before. Find those out, then you can start to build and craft solutions around those that, to your point, have multiple different value props. So really it's about understanding the commonality and the why not the what. Correct. And for that, yeah. we've really got to start top down because that top down reason will be the reason why your next customer chooses you as well, won't it? Exactly. Exactly. The customer will choose you because you can demonstrate that you, A, have knowledge uh, and industry knowledge and experience, and B, you've crafted a, an emotional connection to that customer through your case study, which then highlights that you can solve obstacles, you can solve their challenges. And not only that, you can accelerate their time to value because they don't, like customers want to move now. Yep. They don't want to be moving in six months time or they're, they're crafting a whole bunch of different priorities in the background, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be able to figure out how do I get my, this solution that we know is going to drive X, Y, Z, from a business outcome perspective, on top of the list, yeah, uh, and you—that's what you have to do. So again, in, in 
as as we talk about Amazon, we really need to start working backwards from those customer outcomes that we as partners yes. enable, because then that helps you with these good case studies, put yourself in the customer's perspective to understand that engagement top down and not bottom up in terms of service delivery. Because really it comes down to starting with the why, doesn't it? And we need to go a lot deeper because the, the yes. reasons why our, our customers engage our partners are inevitably not technical. You know, no. customers engage because they've got a specific challenge and it's the solution to the challenge that makes a good offering, doesn't it? It certainly does. When I look at really good solutions uh, from our partners um, globally and locally, um, I'm looking for the outcome. What is the thing that's going to be done? I'm not looking for the technical how. I'm not yeah. looking for, you know, show me a diagram that shows how this thing's going to hang together. Don't get me wrong. I like seeing that because, like, we I'm need interested. <laughs> like, we're interested in how it's all put together and we want to make sure it's well architected. Um, but secondary to that, like, I'm more interested in, like, what's the time to value? Like, how quickly yep. can, can a customer adopt this? What's some of the business outcomes that they're going to be able to achieve? And can you demonstrate that you've actually done this before? Um through different case studies and, and, and things like that. Is it repeatable in other ways? Because ultimately, there'll inevitably be similar customers in the same, but also adjacent industries that are facing Correct. very similar challenges. And I think these are the things which we can actually position this as a solution to. Yeah, and absolutely. So really, it's about crafting your point of view of what good looks like. Because yep. partners, partners are there to provide that thought leadership and prescriptive guidance to customers too. Because really... The more strategic each engagement is, the more important it is that partners have got a really established and well-understood point of view. Yeah, I, I love that thought leadership component. Um, and we certainly encourage our partners to, to provide thought leadership, right? And I've called it point of view or being opinionated or whatever. It ultimately comes down to, to being a thought leader. Now, that thought leadership is around business. It's around the business outcomes that our customers are, are trying to achieve and how you've addressed those. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not necessarily, oh, we're a thought leader on the landing zone. Yeah. And so, like so really, your, the thought leadership needs to be very much your idea of what good looks like, Correct. why you've got that point of view, how does it manifest and what specific advantages it has delivered. And really all of that comes from those hard-won lessons that come from your experience, don't they? So Thank understanding you. that domain experience is critical to be able to then turn that back out and make that part of your value proposition for that particular customer with that particular problem in that particular industry. Nice. Yeah, definitely. And, and just to that point as well, like as you're sort of going through these things with your customers, if you don't understand them and if you don't know the why that you're doing this stuff, ask questions. Yeah. Right. What What's the outcome here? Why are you trying to achieve that? What does that mean when you are able to achieve that? How are you going to measure success of this mm. uh, from a business perspective? And you should be able to answer all of that. That's very basic stuff. Um, but that then provides, you know, more the source insight. later on. Yeah, that's right. So it's almost like on every single engagement, it's almost like asking that customer, why do you choose us rather than someone else? Yeah. And exactly. I think sometimes it's not a bad question to ask, is it? It's a very uncomfortable question to ask, um, but I think it needs to be insightful. Mm, interesting. Very insightful. Yeah. Okay. So we've we've spoken a lot about how we go about doing this. Let's let's talk about how we can put that together. Um, yeah. I I know that I always talk through uh, the the working backwards five customer questions when it comes to mm. talking about solutions because I find for me they're great at really articulating a fantastically well crafted value proposition. Um, yeah. And once you've I'd, ideated and identified some candidates from those case studies, I always recommend, hey, let's start there and, 
And for those folks who who aren't familiar, um, the five questions are, who is the customer? And we need to be really, really specific. You know, very often mm-hmm. we say, oh, it's an SMB customer with about 500 seats. But I'd like to say, who are those personas? You know, can you actually name those people? What do they care about? Who's actually getting value from what you provide? Um, yeah. Because once you've done that, we can move on to that second question, which is, what's the customer need or opportunity? And this is where it becomes sometimes more difficult to qualify, doesn't it, Kelly? Because sometimes articulating mm-hmm. that need can be quite difficult unless we understand that why. So it's a really good right. touch point to to reinforce that we understand the why before we move on to the next question, which is sometimes the, the hardest to answer when you and I've worked on solutions. <laughs> what is the most important customer benefit? And it, it's hard to tell sometimes, isn't it? Because sometimes there's yeah. just so many, unless you've got clarity on the why, you really can't quantify what that most important outcome is because that's really the outcome we try to drive. Yeah, and there might be multiple customer benefits, right? It might be, you know, customer acquisition, customer retention, reduced customer churn, that sort of stuff. That's all, like they're all great customer benefits, but you need to understand those. What's that why that's the most important driver because that's where that decision point to consume your solution will come from. Correct. But um, we then have... uh, what data do you have to support this uh, as Your our fourth studies. customer question? Yeah, this is, this is interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes if you're building a new product, it, it can be very difficult because you need to have, well, what does our target addressable market look like? What is mm-hmm. our, um, the data we have, the market research that says this is a compelling solution or product? But what sometimes I find this is almost the easiest one to answer for our partners because, as you said, your case studies demonstrate that you've done this before, so you can mm-hmm. do it again if it's a good solution you'll have other customers who you've delivered the same solution for anyway within your body exactly. of case studies. So again, the how do you know, as in the fourth question, kind of comes down to you've got case studies to back this up because if you've got yep. customers that you've done this for, you will have customers in the future that you also need to do this for as well. And that can right. be a really key piece of insight. Yeah, nice. And then that comes to our final question, Kelly, which I think you you talk a lot about as uh, earning trust with with sales teams, and that is, what does the customer experience look like? Now, when yes. we talk about a a product offering, you know, we often talk about the user interface looks like, you know, what if it's a physical device, you know, where are the buttons, all that sort of thing. But for consulting engagements, it's a little bit different, but equally important. It's what does it look like from the customer's perspective to work with you on this solution? Take us through that, Correct. Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. This is the, the this is the process or the journey that you're going to take the customer through, right? So this is your framework around execution. So, you know, product-wise, it's easy, as you rightly pointed out, it's a UX. But from a consulting engagement perspective, what does it look like? So how do we take the customer from an ideation perspective all the way through to delivering this particular outcome? Um, Mm. And that journey piece um, is your OIP, right? This is where you get to demonstrate we, we know this uniquely well, we know the challenges and we know how to deliver this um, in a very time-boxed manner, for example, which is going to accelerate the outcome of X, whatever, whatever yeah. that outcome is. So it's the framework around or the methodology, if you like, because methodology is is your IP and that's mm. it's probably the most compelling um, that you're ever going to have. And part of this really is when you think about what does your customer see to go on that journey with you? Again, that Correct. means you need to have very good case studies that articulate that commonality and that consistency because yeah. customers customers don't want things done to them. They would like no. partners to work with them to drive that that's outcome, you, don't they? That's, that's why you call it a partner. 
Yeah. Because you partner with that particular customer or, or, or AWS or whoever that you're working with, right? It's not that, yes, we'll go and put you in a room and, and let you uh, let you loose with all the toys. It's partner with the organization to take through take them through that transformation journey, right? Mm. So it's that, that three-pronged approach, people, process, and technology. The technology part's the easy part. Yeah. It, it's the process and the people that need to change and there's change management aspects that go along with mm. that. So demonstrate that you understand the challenges and the nuances that you're about to take this customer through and how you address those. And you should do that in your case studies anyway. Nice. So then once we've got our answers to our five customer questions, uh, we've established a clear value proposition. You know, We know who the customer is. We know what their need or opportunity is. We know what the most important benefit is. We've got data that backs us up and we've described the customer experience. The next thing to do is actually finesse and hone this into a value proposition and then work with your AWS teams to, to think about how you can start to craft a solution offering and then get mm-hmm. onto AWS Marketplace as well. Um, yep. And for our consulting partners, things like the solution offering financial uh, foundational technical review or the SOFTR is a really great mm-hmm. next step because that can validate how it's being delivered and how it aligns to AWS best practices. And using such tools such as well-architect reviews can be an essential part of that delivery mechanism to drive that governance and adherence to AWS best practice too, isn't it, Kelly? It is, absolutely. And the other thing that I, I personally love using as well, and I know some of our partners use this uh, a little bit, uh, and I encourage them to at least have a look at it, is the PRFAQ um, yep. document that we write. Um, and we do that for a very particular reason because it gives us the ability to, to articulate those five customer questions Mm-hmm. Um, in what is known, you know, commonly known as uh, a press release. So, yeah. you know, put it, put a one pager together that says, you know, you can answer who the customer is, the customer need, opportunity, the benefit, the experience, uh, and you can put some data points in there and some anecdotes as well. That then helps you frame it uh, in a, in a very concise manner and you obviously the faq section just demonstrates a little bit more detail to that it's not an onerous uh thing to do but it certainly does help our greater articulate the solution and the industry alignment for example then becomes significantly easier to then do things like craft that marketplace offering and i think you 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 drilled into the faqs the faqs i find are really essential because it demonstrates to anyone looking at them you've actually thought about this it isn't yes. just a thought bubble. Those FAQs are get into the details. And those details, as we know, is is where the devil lurks. And if you can understand that that you've thought about these challenges in advance, document them in the FAQs rather than actually cluttering up that that PR um, piece in your value prop. It's okay to have it in two different places. Having that as your start point before you then start to articulate, okay, what is the what do the other solutions need to look like? You know, the the playbooks, the the other art, artifacts we need to actually build around our offering to turn it yeah. into a solution, that's critical too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you rightly pointed out, it's hard work up front, but it saves a lot of rework down down the track, right? So if you're building out a yet that PRFAQ that aligns to well architect, aligns to the five customer questions that we've, mm. we've already sort of articulated, you've then walked away after it's been read and and um, reviewed multiple times and even reviewed with AWS, for example. I guarantee you, you put a PRFAQ in front of AWS and watch how much attention you get. Right? We because get very a, excited, don't we? It doesn't we get very excited. <laughs> we get way too Indeed. excited by, by PRFAQs because yeah. we do them all the time. Um, yeah. And they're so crucial to us because it forms part of a, a thought process. 
Mm. Um, and it's a well-thought-out process as well. It's a well-thought-out framework. So highly encourage uh, going down that path. So to get started, do reach out to AWS team. We'd, we'd love to help you through that process. But a final point Definitely. I'd love to make is you, you raised this to me as we were talking offline, prepping for the show, and you talked about the important thing to understand is that solution is not just a playbook. It forms part of that playbook, but it's all-encompassing. You need to have positioning data, objection handling data, FAQs. Man, a really good point as well. You talked about the fact that internal teams need to be using it and selling it too. So it's not just an AWS solution. Partners are also actively going to market with these solutions. Take us through this, Kelly, just before we wrap up. A hundred percent. A solution is not a PowerPoint deck or a first call deck, right? A solution is everything encompassing, right? And mm-hmm. it's not just a, a thing that you provide to AWS, right? And say, oh, here's an offering or here's a solution that we're, we're going to market with. When I, when I think about go to market, it's, do you have a position in market about this? Is marketing, you know, talking about this? Is your sales teams talking about this? Is your sales team selling this? Is this natural language mm. of this particular solution common? For this customer segment, yeah, yeah, exactly. Within your within your um, your organization as a partner, yeah. let alone AWS, right? Because ultimately, a solution needs to form part of your DNA and it needs to be formed part of your marketing and sales process and your engineering team need to be delivering that solution as mm-hmm. well. Then, keeping in mind, AWS is one route to market. It is not yep. your only go-to-market. So your routes to market are sales, marketing, and then your partnerships mm-hmm. and AWS naturally being one of those partnerships. Then you take all of that artifact, which is sitting inside your playbook, your playbook describes how you how you position it, how you objectively handle um, common you know, challenges from customers, um, how the sales teams do it. What does it look like from a customer experience perspective? It might even have your PRFAQ in it. Yay. Um, probably should. And th- probably should. Um, that playbook then gets sent to AWS and it's like, cool. Mm. Then you enable the sales teams and the solution architect teams within AWS to sell this solution. Right? It's not selling the technical artifacts of it, but it's about how they can articulate this together with you to their customer base, right? So you need to demonstrate and articulate, here's a bunch of customers within this particular industry that we already know need this problem. Um, mm. AWS, let's go together. Let's go and make it work together because it is a partnership fundamentally because really Correct. we don't want, we we should not be putting marketing content in front of AWS teams and sellers. We need oh, to no. enable them and educate them so they can advocate on your behalf with all the knowledge and education and, that we can provide them to actually go to yeah. customers on our partner's behalf to then have that conversation to advocate and position. Yeah, completely agree. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've seen partners throw solutions, in inverted commas, um, to AWS um, um, solution, um, solution architects or, or sales teams, for example, and going, here's our solution. I can guarantee you 100% that goes absolutely nowhere. Mm. No one ever looks at it. No one ever talks about it. Why? Because they're not enabled to do so. And it's just a PowerPoint deck or it's a flyer. It's a marketing piece of material. Yeah. It is not a playbook. It is not an approach to a customer segment, for example. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You can do this much, much better. Kelly, that's been amazing. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. But I hope it's really given our audience some really good insights on how we can work better together to serve our AWS customers. Kelly, thanks for spending the time today with us. Always a pleasure, Richard. And uh, yeah, to everyone else, thank you for listening in. We really do appreciate your time. 
Brilliant. And for me, thank you for listening to this episode of Partner Buzz. And we look forward to joining you in our next episode. Bye.